Hello, welcome everyone to another episode of Talk Your Thoughts by Katsuragi. Today I'm going to have another read with me in the book Mythology by Edith Hamilton, and I will be starting The Eight Brief Tales of Lovers by Pyramus and Fisky. And before we get right into the story, um, let me just tell you that I'm available on many podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. There's a lot more out there. But I'll not be mentioning it. But if you'd like these types of things, like read with me, know where I read stories, as well as um, first impressions of K-drama or maybe maybe still American series, I'll be doing those things. And Story Doc, maybe if you wanted to hear uh, like life experiences, something that you would be able to relate to, maybe go ahead, follow my podcast. Once upon a time, the deep red berries of the mulberry tree were white as snow. The change in color came about strangely and sadly. The death of two young lovers was the cause. Pyramus and Thisbe, he the most beautiful youth, and she, the loveliest maiden of all the East, lived in Babylon, the city of Queen Semiramis, in houses so close together that one wall was common to both. Growing up side by side, they learned to love each other. They longed to marry, but their parents forbade. Love, however, cannot be forbidden. The more that claimed is cover up, the harder it burns. Also, love can always find a way. It was impossible these two whose hearts were on fire should be kept apart. In the wall both houses shared, there was a little chink. No one before had noticed it. But there is nothing a lover does not notice. Our two young people discovered it, and through it, they were able to whisper sweetly back and forth. This be on the one side, Pyramus on the other. The hateful wall had that separated them had become their means of reaching each other. But for you we could touch, kiss, they would say. But at least you let us speak together. You give a passage for loving words to reach loving ears. We are not ungrateful. So they would talk, and as night came on, and they must part, each would press on the wall kisses that could not go through the lips on the other side. Every morning, when the dawn had put out the stars and the sun's rays had dried, the hoarfrost on the grass, they would steal to the crack, and standing there, now utter words of burning love, and now lament their hard fate, but always in softest whispers. Finally, a day came when they could endure no longer. They decided that that very night, they would try to slip away and steal out through the city into the open country where at last they could be together in freedom. They agreed to meet at a well-known place, the tomb of Venus. Under a tree there, a tall mulberry full of snow-white berries, near which a cool spring bubbled up, the plan pleased them, and it seemed to them that they would never end. At last the sun sunk, 
into the sea, and night arose. In the darkness, Thisbe crept out and made her way in all secrecy to the tomb. Eurymus had not come. Still she waited for him, her love making her bold. But of, but of a sudden, she saw by the light of the moon a lioness. The fierce beast had made a kill. Her jaws were bloody, and she was coming to slake her thirst in the spring. She was still far away for Thisbe to escape, but as she fled, she dropped her cloak. The lioness came upon it on her way back to her lair, and she melted and tore it before disappearing into the woods. That is what Eurymus saw when he appeared a few minutes later. Before him lay the blood-stained shreds of the cloak and clearing the dust were the tracks of the lioness. The conclusion was inevitable. He never doubted that he knew all. This bee was dead. He had let his love, tender maiden, come alone to a place full of danger. Had not and not been there first to protect her. It is I who killed you, he said. He lifted up from the trampled dust what was left of the, of the cloak and kissing it again and again, carried it to the mulberry tree. Now, he said, you shall drink my blood too. He drew his sword and plunged it into his side. The blood spurted up over the berries and dyed them a dark red. Thisbe, although terrified of the lioness, was still more afraid to fail her lover. She ventured to go back to the tree of the tears, the mulberry with a shining white fruit. She could not find it. A tree was there, but not one gleam of white was on the branches. As she stared at it, something moved on the ground beneath. She started back shuddering. But in a moment, peering through the shadows, she saw what was there. It was Pyramus, bathed in blood and dying. She flew to him and threw her arms around him. She kissed his cold lips and begged him to look at her, to speak to her. It is I, your Thisbe, your dearest, she cried to him. At the sound of her name, he opened his heavy eyes for one look, then death closed them. She saw his sword fallen from his hand, and beside it, her cloak stained and torn. She understood all. Your own hand killed you, she said, and your love for me. I, too, can be brave. I, too, can love. Only death would have had the power to separate us. It shall not have that power now. She plunged into her heart the sword that was still wet with his life's blood. The gods were, were pitiful at the end, and the lover's parents too. The deep red fruit of the mulberry is the everlasting memorial of these true lovers, and one urn holds the ashes of the two whom not even death could mark. I've just read the Greek mythology version of Romeo and Juliet. Although 
they are also both young it's just it's just that I wanted to look at it in a way where the death did not separate them but instead it's what actually pulled them together because if life after death is true Romeo and Juliet and Pyramus and Thisbe will be together forever will be together for the rest of the time the entire time that how much, no matter how long they wanted to be together they can do those things they can freely do whatever they can't, they can't in the world that they were in and it's just also a perspective and sometimes it's hard when this happens in real life you almost always think that you need an approval of a lot of people but really when it comes to love when it comes to partnership it should be all it should always be just an agreement and approval and validation between both parties between you and your lover because if you wanted to get an approval of everyone in your circle that is going to be like almost an impossible challenge there's always going to be one that has like no in the middle of it or would not allow it or someone who don't who doesn't even have any opinion and someone who strongly thinks that you should not be together and if you go on your life trying to convince that one person then you're doing it wrong you should always just think about yourselves and if you still love each other and for them they did that it's just that circumstance told them that this is not the world that you have to be together it's the world after the life it, it, it looks tragic it sounds tragic that they have to kill each other to kill there's themselves but really it's it's about sacrifice it's about the extent that you can sacrifice for the other how your life is even less than what your lover's life would be that's how you value each other sometimes people would say that You know, they are being stupid, they are being, um, you know, irrational about this. They they did not even think what they're going to do and what they're going to lose. But if you were in their situation, or maybe not in an extreme situation, but some of us would think differently or might even think the same way. If you have to decide right now, and if you feel the rush of emotion, you cannot really think so much. Your brain would just have a limitation. I can only think this much. Although, it would have been a better story for some of us to see that, I mean, if they wouldn't have killed, it, killed um, um, himself, for example, in Pyramus' case, if he hadn't killed himself, As soon as he saw the blood and um, cloak, they would have been together in Earth. But don't you think that there is still going to be another story in there? That after they move out of their country, 
would I still be accepted? What circumstance would I have in that country together as young lovers? They're young. How are they going to leave? What if this is the best option? What if that faith had this all prepared for them? Because they know that they can spend more cherished days together in life after death.